0: This is The Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us.
1: Welcome to The Storied Outdoors. My name is Brian Gill, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Brad Hill. Today, we are joined by two guests, Kenneth Padgett and Shea Gregory, founders of Wolf Wolf Bain Books. Kenneth is a co-founder of Wolfbane Books and the co-author of several books. He's a Ph.D. candidate in biblical studies at Trinity College. He holds a master's degree in Old Testament from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. He and his wife Rebecca live in South Carolina Lowcountry with their two youngest daughters. Uh, Shay is also uh, the co-founder of Wolfbane Books and co-author of several books. He holds a master's degree of uh, masters of divinity from. Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and ordained pastor in the Anglican Church of North America. He's a native of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where he lives with his wife, Catherine, and their, wait for it, nine children. That's right. Uh, Brad and I met Kenneth and Shay at Hutchmoot this past fall at uh, uh, the subculture of Pipe Moot along the banks of the Harpeth <laughs> River. Um, yeah. We had uh, we, we, seen their beautiful books, and uh, they seemed like our people, and, and and so we struck up a conversation with them, and we found out that they were indeed our people. Um, so, we're so excited about this conversation, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you so
2: much. Thank, thank both of y'all for having us. Yeah, um, we really appreciate it. It's great to be here.
0: It's rare for us, one, to have two people at once on. I think we, we, we made we're going to do that twice this coming up season. With an, another couple of guys that that do a podcast together, so it's a little rare for us to have uh, two guests at once. On what, but you guys are friends, but you also work together. What was uh, what was the spark that ignited you guys' friendship?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I will start with that story. Um, Kenneth and I, we grew up about two hours apart. I guess um, I'm I'm in Mount Pleasant and. Is, which is the, on the coast of South Carolina. Kenneth was about two hours south of me on the coast uh, near Beaufort, And we met in seminary, I think, in 2016 at Gordon-Conwell, Jacksonville campus. And uh, it's kind of one of those things where um, we crossed paths. Yeah, Kenneth was living in Charleston right near me at the time and still is. But uh, we met and started talking and, you know, sounded like we both had a similar upbringing, similar place, similar interests, um, both in the outdoors and, um, in church life and ministry and, and serving our families, you know, raising kids. And, um, and we just kind of started getting together regularly, weekly, um, honestly sitting around the fire, ironically enough. And we're on this podcast I love that <laughs> kind of, uh, use that as a your guiding visual, but, but we would get together every week and, and we kind of cultivated a friendship around formational storytelling is kind of the way we talk about it. Um, so we both realize we both love telling stories, particularly to our kids. And we both love scripture. We, we love the Bible. We, we love nerding out about the Bible and retelling the stories that are in the Bible. And, and so we would get around regularly around a fire and have pipes and, and do that. Um, And we'd also do various other things like go flounder gigging together. Um, And that's kind of, actually, we spent a lot of hours flounder gigging together and talking about this stuff.
1: Yeah, I hope hope that we can hear a story later on about flounder gigging. I'm sure we have a few. (laughs) So I'm sitting here, and if you're watching the uh, video version of this, I've got The Forgotten King. Beautiful, beautiful book uh, illustrated by Stephen Crotz, um, and the story of God with us—absolutely um, breathtaking beauty. Uh, not just the the visual, but the the theo, the the, theo, the theology of your 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 books is so rich. It's not just some fluff that people threw together. Uh, I mean, it's it's very very rich theology, and like. I love that. Um, It so all that to say, you've got this huge idea. You've got these storytelling ideas. What what brought you to say, you know what? Let's start this publishing company.
3: Yeah, like like Shay was saying, developing this friendship around storytelling, especially to our kids. I mean, we're both in the throes Mm. discipling children, you know, and our families, and we were both in seminary, and. Uh, taking some of what we what we were learning in seminary and relaying that to small children um, what became a passion for us. How do we do that? How do we encourage each other to do that? You know, and um, I had a story that 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 I had been throwing around in my head for about a decade, and uh, over one of the over pipes and a campfire, shared it with Shay. And he came back the next day, and the whole thing rhymed. The whole thing was put into poetry. It was amazing, you know. And I was like, I didn't know you could do that. You know, we're talking about, you know, Exodus and stuff like that. And then here comes Shay with this, <laughs> turning this kind of prose fairy tale into a into a parable that is po- a, a poetic parable. Mm-hmm. You know, so we knew like, okay, well, wait a minute. That the, there's some giftings here that that might be able to bless more than just our families. Um, let's let's explore and, and maybe work on some other manuscripts, some other ideas, uh, particularly with the story of God with us. We also have the story of God, our King that came out in 2022. Um, these biblical theologies, which means just kind of tracing a theological theme through the story of scripture. Um, we, we wanted to create resources that a family could take a visually stunning um, tour through the story of scripture in one sitting, tracing a theological theme um, we wanted to create resources that could do that. And ultimately, um, long story short is we thought that, uh, perhaps us doing it as a publishing company, as a publishing house, starting a publishing house that, that has a particular ethos, uh, of, of this kind of storytelling, um, that encourages family discipleship and mm-hmm. cultivating biblical imagination, uh, through storytelling, um, we felt like, hey, let, let, let's give it a whirl on our own. And we're about to, we just turned a year old as far as actually publishing. Mm-hmm. It, it was a couple years run up uh, to get everything going. But uh, yeah, that's ultimately, and we were encouraged by seeing other publishers do it, you know, with S.T. Smith and Story Warren and the Petersons with the Rabbit Room, uh, just folks like that. We, we saw them out there doing this and uh, we, we wanted to emulate what, what they were doing but kind of crack open um, maybe biblical studies and family discipleship more specifically.
1: what is it about having your own publishing company that that you couldn't get from trying to get these published somewhere else? Um, is there a freedom there or is that it, what was the um, what was the benefit I'm guessing?
2: Yeah, um, there is a, a great benefit, and it is around freedom but it comes at a cost too of, of um, cost in investment. You know? but, but to get the original question, you know, why, why just do your own publishing company? One of the things we observed in the market, just like a total business perspective, looking at the publishing market, particularly in children's books, um, you, you see some really, really captivating illustrated children's books out there um, like Disney, for example, will put out these really compelling, big, beautiful spreads in some children's books. And you'll see some not so compelling um, illustrated books. And, um, and, and we, wanted, we wanted to, we, we, we had a vision, a particular vision. Um, and and the, way, the way Kenneth first started talking about it was if, if, if Disney can tell stories so well with such compelling imagery why why can't christians mm. in in particularly in biblical studies um and what would that look like for us to do that and not not to say that we are doing anything as well as disney um but and i'm not saying disney tells great stories actually most of their stories are are junk but but some of them are good but they're all told really well you mm-hmm. know in really really compelling uh, images illustration just high quality um they 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 treat the, the reader or the viewer, you know, w- with dignity, you know, <laughs> at, at the very least.
3: Yeah. I, I'll, I'll add to that, that mentioning Disney, Disney is probably the most successful formational storytelling engine out there. Um, and we're kind of reaping <laughs> that generations of formation in our society and culture today. So you can, you can, you can, malform with bad stories um, but they're, they're they're what they're doing is that they are compelling at every level you know and that makes their formational storytelling that much more powerful and then when, when we were looking well, to be clear what we're doing is not necessarily a reaction to, to what we see but we did see if I wanted to show my kid a compelling image m- maybe even more realistic image of the flood, I, I would need to go back a couple hundred years in Christian art to get that, or go to DreamWorks, you know, and their uh, Prince of Egypt or whatever. Usually, with that in Christian literature, it's happy faces, giraffe heads sticking out of the top of a boat, you know, and a and a beautiful rainbow. Um, and if but if I'm going through that text with my kids, if I'm going through that story with my kids. There, there's a there's a dissonance between what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. So we we, we thought, hey, if, if we're going to do this, and I think I think uh, the Bible Project has done a good, pretty good job mm, of visually compelling biblical storytelling, tracing themes through Scripture in a video format. Um, so they would be an influence on us as well. Meanwhile, you have you have G- the Jesus Storybook ba- Bible and the like, literally are you know phenomenal. You know, so we kind of wanted to marry this—the the visual story storytelling of of Disney and the Bible Project, and just great art, and uh, the literary nature of some somebody like Sally Lloyd Jones—all um, while uh, tracing biblical themes, mm-hmm. you know, through the story of Scripture and hopefully cultivating biblical literacy in a family.
0: That's so good.
3: And Aidan Peterson. Uh,
1: The artist, you know, for our listeners who may not know, that's Andrew Peterson's son. He um, he is an incredible artist. And I I feel like you guys knocked it out of the park.
2: Listen, Aiden (laughs) is an absolute phenom. And y'all know that. I I think we sent sent you those books uh, before the story of God, our king came out. We need to send you that one as well. It is just uh, it. It turned out so good, and, and this—he's working on the third of the Story of God trilogy right now. Um, so he's the artist for all three. Yes. Oh, yes. that's great. That's the story of God yeah. King there in that's the beautiful. yeah the illustrations.
3: English. Yeah, Aiden Peterson. <clears throat> what he what he's doing is, I mean, just as important as the words. You yeah. know, he's yeah. he's these are these are images that will stick with you. For your life, you know, when, when, when you picture whatever biblical scene, the images are so compelling that the, the idea is because I, I don't know about you guys. Like I grew up on this movie TV special that came on called Jesus of Nazareth yeah. back in the 80s, you know, 70s and 80s. And that was Jesus for me. Yeah, the, the, those scenes uh, were, were those scenes. I mean, how, however biblically accurate they were. But it had a formational, visual formational impact on me. Uh, Here, what do you want
2: to say? I was just going to say, Kenneth had mentioned the flood, you know, a serious picture of the flood. There's so um, much going on
3: there. What does it look like when the serpent king Mm -hmm. is running the world? Mm -hmm. Violence, death, rebellion. You know, what does God's mercy look like in all of that? You know, preserving a family, starting over on a mountain in a vineyard, you Mm know be fruitful and multiply. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I know that your listeners can't see what we just did, but I tried to describe it a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah. We'll have, we'll have links to that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that'll drive them, uh, drive them to, to go find them. I mean, it looks beautiful. Um, without knowing anything uh, about your publishing company, when I hear the name Wolfbane Publishing, it's very interesting. What, what's the inspiration behind <laughs> that name in particular? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a good question. And we, in the beginning, we were asked that so many times people just shooting us a message on social media. Hey,
0: by the way, the sticker made my, made my cooler, by the way. Awesome. Nice.
2: That, that, that is fantastic. (laughs) I I feel so honored. Cooler sticker. I mean, that's high status.
0: Oh man. Oh yeah. Um, It's the one I stand on when I'm fly fishing. So it's right there. uh,
2: Well, yeah. So we, um, as we were asked that so many times, we actually ended up making an explainer video uh, about the name. And so where it comes from and that explainer video is on our website. Um, but where it comes from is a scene in Narnia. It's in the line, the witch and the wardrobe where uh, Peter, Peter Pevensey, he's talking to Aslan here. Here's the horn being blown. I guess it's Su- is it mm-hmm. Susan blowing the horn mm-hmm. yep. off in the distance. And, and in that moment, Aslan is telling him that he's going to be the high King. But Peter just drops what he's doing, runs because he knows his sister's in trouble. Slays Mogram, the the this big wolf, and uh, saves his sister. You know she's up in a tree, um, and Mogram was trying to eat her. So you get this young boy who basically steps into warrior mode. Um, and, and he 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 acts with real agency, right? Be- because and, and Lewis treated his. Uh, characters and his readers um with dignity with a certain expectation of maturity um he was always calling them up so in that scene um peter is not peter wolfsbane of narnia as right after that happens and so um we use wolfbane instead of wolfsbane just because wolfbane books has a certain alliteration that sounds a lot better <laughs> but uh so we just tweaked it a little bit, but it's, it's in homage to, to Lewis and, um, and his ethos. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I, I love that. I love, you know, it, we, you know, Brad and I, we, we, this, we call this podcast, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark. And <laughs> yeah. so anything Lewis, we, we just, we're drawn to that. Um, so that's that, that, that image is so, um, so compelling, you know, and it, It's the idea of this, this child becoming something else. Um, you know, what is your, um, when you think about the purpose of Wolfbane, um, and, and what you hope it will do to the world, what, what would you say to that?
3: Yeah. I mean, as Shay was sharing with the name, um, there is a, there is a level where Aslan and Lewis through Aslan, um, What's being communicated in that scene is he's not underestimating children; he he's calling them up into mm-hmm. like a a flourishing uh, maturity, not not a boring adulthood, but a flourishing and vibrant maturity that that leads to the flourishing of others mm-hmm. as well. Um, so b- we chose that name because of that particular ethos of like, hey, let's don't underestimate, um, and let let's try to call families. Uh, up into this, this same flourishing maturity um, to encourage kids to be the bane of the wolf um, as King Jesus is the true bane of the wolf. Um, so our, hopefully our, hopefully what we're doing and what we're creating are, are leading to that, um, al- allowing uh, children to cultivate this biblical imagination of being the bane of the wolf, of being an agent um, of justice and, and flourishing in the world, um, providing that for those around them as they love God and, and love their neighbors. That may come through biblical storytelling. Um, that may come through uh, other fictional great storytelling. It may come through parables, um, stories like the Wing Feather Saga. Think about how much biblical imagination is jam-packed into the Wing Feather Saga or the Lord of the Rings or, or Narnia, those kinds of stories pick up on that ethos yeah. and, and, and form children and families in particular. Uh, I love I love having with my kids just having, when I read a story like that, we, we have similar language now. We, we've learned from the experience of others, even though they're fictional, um, how to treat other people, how to stand up against the enemy, you know, um, h- how to be formed even, you know, like used to scrub Hey, there's such a thing as malformation. There's such a, there's such a thing as all the wrong kinds of books, you know. Um, but there are great books. There is great literature. There is great storytelling, and and hopefully Wolfbane, uh, we're we're trying to tap into that that ethos of not underestimating children and families and and encouraging them towards flourishing.
0: You've talked about a lot about the. the the sort of ethos, the spirit of storytelling that runs throughout what you guys do and things that have inspired you. What, what
2: are some of those stories that did that for you guys? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Um, I can probably answer that with a a range. If I just think back to my childhood into early adulthood, I think, um, any, any the stories that captivated my imagination the most, you'll, you'll probably laugh at some of this. Um, but uh, the, the one that stands out like as a small child, Disney's adaptation, speaking of Disney, they uh, did an adaptation of Uncle Remus Stories, and it is this big, giant book. Um, that has a, a series of Uncle Remus stories, you know, Brer Rabbit, Brer Fox, Brer Bear, all those. Um, even to this day, I, I read those to my kids. Um, those just really captivated my imagination. Their, their stories are out in the woods. The little cre- critters have personalities and, and they play roles. Um, and there's always some funny twist at the end of every story. Um, I, th- th- those, those stories, um, I think, probably got me thinking ab- about um, nature as sort of a stage where where things actually happen oh, I love that. um so, so there's that when i was young and then I get a little bit older start reading chapter books i think um there's a book there was a book called my side of the mountain um and i think there's a sequel called the far side of the mountain but this kid is on his own for a long period of time and he lives in this hollowed out hickory tree i think it was or maybe an elm tree i don't remember Um, just a fascinating story of just a kid sort of surviving and thriving on his own um and that that once again just got my imagination going so much um and then i think in middle school i started hitting narnia i I read um just i think two of the narnia books in middle school Uh, i didn't read the whole series of narnia till till much later um but uh Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe and the Horse and His Boy, and, and those those just really drew me in. Um, so th- those are just some, I, I, and from my childhood and upbringing that I remember.
3: Yeah, I, I I wasn't raised in in a ton of we weren't like a reading family, you know. And and a lot of these stories came later in life for me. A lot of Lewis and Tolkien came later in life for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, in the '80s, uh, the Never Ending Story. Was one that always was love compelling that. to me. Absolutely yeah, love that. Yeah, fantastic uh, soundtrack. By the way, that that holds up if you're an '80s guy.
1: I have a very unhealthy fear of quicksand. Quicksand because of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, God. totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. One of the saddest on-screen deaths in all of cinema. Oh, Artyx. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Thanks. but that's 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 you know the, even that story itself. Um, I haven't read the book. But uh but so who knows how faithful the movie is to the actual story? But that was really powerful for me as a kid. that that movie always stands out to me. The movie itself doesn't really hold up as much. That would be a good one to, to redo mm-hmm. um, but but, uh, but yeah, that j- just just in the, the whole idea of dreaming and imagination, like yeah. falling away yes. and and there's this whole other world, you know, that this kid is opened up to that is falling apart. Because, you know, probably just because of like sheer materialism, you know, things that distract you and the, the, the rat race of life, trying to call children into dreaming again,
0: mm.
3: you know, um, believe again, dream again. Um, that was always big for me. Um, and then I was always like a big um, like war movie kind of guy, you know, Saving Private Ryan uh, movies like that that were always real profound it's it's schindler's list you know uh, observing evil you know mm-hmm. at a particular level has a has a formational value to it um but uh and observing good uh, overcoming that evil you know all those those are the greatest elements of any story anyway mm. You know,
0: the truth I mean, elements. It, it calls to calls to mind the great Chesterton Chesterton quote: "You know fairy tales, you know don't tell children that dragons exist. Right? They already know dragons exist. Fairy yeah. tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Yes, right. so perfect. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
1: So, what is it about storytelling that you're drawn to? You guys kind of bonded and and created this friendship." over storytelling and you continue to make a business out of it but also it's more than a business it's it's a it's part of your life um what is it about storytelling that that you're drawn to
2: yeah good question um i have to think about this one and kenneth you can jump in too but i i think my immediate reaction to that question is uh i think about parables Mm -hmm. in the way jesus told parables and why he told parables um i think every story has parabolic elements not every story is a parable intentionally but but in in a sense where every story has the ability to draw us in in our imagination to a different place step outside of ourselves and see perhaps a reality of, of of a situation and in a parable come to find out well that's your reality you know um, but stories all have that ability where you can you're, you're able to step outside of the confines of your little life and enter into this other story in your imagination. And in good stories, um, you can grow in wisdom. You know, when it, when the storytelling is is, is done well, um, storytelling at its best, you grow in your faithfulness to God. You know, yeah. that that's to me. That that's the beauty of storytelling and the value and what what why we're motivated to tell stories. Um, yeah, they, they it's it's almost like magic, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's like casting a spell, you know, in the best sense, a, a spell of truth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to add there? Yeah,
3: yeah. I would say two things. One is when you crack open the Bible, you learn that the, the world began with words. That we live in a spoken world, mm-hmm. and um, that says something profound about God. Uh, his word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, his His word does not wither. You know, um, he he the, the, this this world is storied. We are created in His image, and we receive and we tell story. We whether we're going to the grocery store or, you know, going to war, mm. we we relay that in short stories or long stories we, we perceive and receive through story um and it, and it reminds me basically i'm saying we were created for story god is a speaking god who's telling a story and we're characters in his spoken world and um it makes me think of a quote that is often attributed to andrew peterson but if you actually Andrew says I heard a guy say <laughs> but you know it's it's that if you want a child to know I'm paraphrasing if you want a child to know the truth tell them the truth if you want them to love the truth tell them a story mm-hmm. you know as to what shay was getting at that story has a way of penetrating uh, what bullet points can't penetrate what what sheer information can't penetrate yes story has a way of getting deep into the marrow of who we are
2: Right, yeah, um, I would say, like, like, catechism has its place, yeah. but narrative um, trumps catechism in forming what you love.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. I guess the question would be, how do, how do we bring those together? Is Because it, it seems like that's kind of what you guys are doing. Yeah, that's, Yeah. I was about to say that, too.
2: Yeah, a, in, in a way, yes. I mean, for example, when we write these stories in the Story of God series, um, we we tell this narrative, but we have systematic theologians read through them to make sure we're saying the right things make sure we're not heretics, you know? <laughs> well, that so, sounds always was, smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, I think that the, the
3: idea of Wolfbane, you know, we, we behind the, behind the, you know, doors call ourselves a story house, you know, like we, we, we want our plan is to publish stories um, we wanted to lay a foundation in what we were doing. And these are. this is the thing that brought Shay and I together in the first place, was the story of God. Yeah. Um, here, Here is the true story of the whole world. Um, and here we're running over it multiple times, running over the same story multiple times, pointing out different theological themes. What is this to communicating to us about God and about his world and about us as his people? Um, focusing on a particular thread allows us to traverse the story in one sitting but hopefully by presenting it as a story um, that, you know, as the Bible projects says, it's a, it's a unified story that leads to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're also trying to capitalize on the, the power of, of story itself um, as a way to shape. So hopefully, hopefully that's, that's being communicated and done uh, through the story of God series that we're, we're working on now.
1: In this, you um in, your, in the story of God, you, you, there's some repetitive um, elements there. And um, there, there's this line that keeps coming up, always in forever world without end. Where did that come from?
2: Yeah. So we that, part of the formational aspect of what, what we do with those stories in particular is there is a refrain in the story of God books. And so in, in the story of God with us, what, what you have there, um, so he could dwell with us and we with him always and forever, world without end. Mm. Um, w- w- the idea is, you know, you tell a kid a story and you ask him what, is a, what, what what was that story about that we just read? Hopefully, after hearing the refrain over and over, um, they'll be able to recall that and they'll know this is why God, this is what God is doing in the world basically. Um, that's the point of the story, and and uh, that's what liturgy does to us. You know, even even non-liturgical churches, you have liturgy. You know, you think things that you do every week, week to week, and that forms us. Things you say repeatedly, for example, or actions you do. Um, so that's why we have that as a refrain. Um, the world without end part. That's an old translation. Um, you can find it in the King James. You can find it in New King James. You can find it in the Coverdale um translation um from uh, in the Old Testament in Hebrew is this phrase um, olam v'olam olam I think uh, which is forever and ever mm-hmm. and in the King James it's very often translated world without end so it just means forever basically forever and ever and it's just a really poetic way to say it That's um, Cool.
1: I felt yeah. my kids they you know when we go through it they would start you know that would be the part that they would remember from the previous section and they would say it with me and you know they had not read the book it was the first time going through but they by the end of the book they were repeating it with me yeah and
2: and i would just add um another beautiful thing is 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 it it, instead of saying forever and ever you say world without end suddenly forever and ever becomes very concrete Mm -hmm. you know like this world is going forever and we're not just going to burn up one one day a meteor is going to hit us and burn up but there is this new creation coming, mm-hmm. right? world without end. Like that's a that's a fact. Wow.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I, I would so if you get the if you get the refrain, you get the book. Yeah. Basically, if you can, if you can say the refrain, the King Book, it's a King like no other, Defender and Friend, always and forever, world without end. Uh, I would also say um, God's story um, has echoes that reverberate throughout the story, and so there are that's how his story works in the Bible, and so we tried to literally, like you mentioned, there's some repeating. There is the refrain, but then there's also other repeating lines that, that hopefully will will show an interconnectedness between moments. Hey, this moment is like this moment, mm-hmm. and but it's it's developed a little bit. You know, it's it's moving somewhere, and so just in the Hebrew literature alone, and 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 in the New Testament, of course, you, you have a an echoing happening of, of themes. Um, and that sometimes comes in direct quotation or um, it sometimes comes in the shape of the literature or the shape of the moment will will echo um, a, a good reader back back to these previous moments and, and start comparing like, wait, what's going on here? So we wanted to do that in how we told the story that there's some, re- if, if, if you're reading our story and you're seeing repetition, Maybe go back to the scriptures, which we have a Bible reference guide at the end of, the, of, the end of each book. So you can go to the scriptures for each nice. scene that happens. But um, look for parallels. Look for patterns that, that show up throughout scripture. So that was some intentionality there with the, with the repetition. I love that. Fantastic so job. Re-
0: yeah. yeah. It recalls to mind, uh, I remember Eugene Peterson talking about, you know, having an imagination and and then he riffed on you know the the parable and metaphor and i like how he says that they're active and they invite us into mm-hmm. into those stories like you said so it made me think about that as shay as you were talking earlier of you know this is the beauty of scripture is it it is those those metaphors and the way jesus taught and those parables were these active things that we got to enter into yeah. And help us to understand them and so like the story that's the power of story that you guys are talking about and, and what a beautiful beautiful way to continue to to grow and unpack um people's imaginations on theological concepts and and growing deeper knowledge of 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 the god that is the great storyteller
2: mm. yeah that's right yeah
0: Well, you guys, we we hinted at it earlier. You guys live in the Low Country of South Carolina. We'll shift gears a little bit. Well, one of the things that we we said these are our people is not only do they publish books and write cool stories, but they spend time outside and they smoke pipes. I mean, these guys are our, these <laughs> yeah. are our kind of people. That's right. So what I are some things that. you guys love doing? And and perhaps you know, Mary and the two. What are some some ways that your time in the outdoors have have impacted and influenced your storytelling?
2: Oh, goodness. That's a big question. Um, (laughs) things we do in the outdoors, that's probably simple enough. Um, I mentioned flounder gigging because that was a point where I sort of really, uh, gave us something to do together. Um, something Kenneth grew up doing in, um, I was currently doing a lot of at the time. and still, which I still do I take my kids out there a good bit. Um,
0: for, for the people that listen to this, that live on the interior, I live on yeah, right. uh, Mo, in Mobile, Alabama down here on the Gulf coast. Yep. And you guys live up there in the low country of South Carolina. What in the world is flounder gigging for those that have no clue what you're talking about?
2: Okay. So, flounder gigging <laughs> is probably one of the greatest um, outdoor activities you could possibly imagine. Like, possibly imagine. Not totally I'm, so. I'm going to tell you why. No bias at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you why. Um, so, you know, you can go fishing. And now, Brad, I know you're a big fly fisherman. Brian, you too, I think. Um, and that's awesome. And why is that awesome? Well, it's because it's kind of like hunting, right? Because you're kind of like top water by sight. You see the see the fish hit it. Um, and and there's, there's a lot more than that as to why it's awesome. And I know that. But so um, flounder gigging is when you go out at night, you're in a usually a little skiff, some type of flat-bottom skiff. Um, we, we use a 16-foot fiberglass flat-bottom Carolina skiff. And we run lights down the whole side of the boat. So I think I have six um, big floodlights going down the whole side of the boat. And we'll go out, um, we'll start at like one of the inlets and then just work our ways with the incoming tide back toward toward my dock. And um, and, and But what you do is you, you drift along the side of the bank with the lights on, on the shore side. One man's on the bow, one man's on the stern, and you got these big long poles, like twelve foot poles, with an, on the end is a gig, which a gig head, which is like a trident, sort of like a barbed, three pronged trident, um, gifted by Davy Jones himself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a note. <laughs> and uh, and you, you use those to kind of pull along the edge and drift with with the current and or the wind. Usually you try to go when it's not windy. But you get and and, and you look for fish and it's. We talk about it as flounder gigging, but we are gigging all kinds of fish. So, as soon as you get out there, you flip on the lights. It's a calm night. Water's like glass. You look down, crystal clear water, and it is like you are penetrating some other dimension. Like you are invading this other world that you don't belong to because you are seeing, like, all sorts of different things. You're seeing crabs, conks, jellyfish, horseshoe crabs, stingrays, blowfish, gar, gar sharks, spottail bass, trout, flounder, sheep's head, all the things, turtles, um, manta rays. Um, and, and, and so it, it's like going to the aquarium, but you get to collect the things that taste good. So, so like so by I, stabbing them by stabbing them right and, and so like one of my buddies who i gig with a lot he said he, he he says in this wonderful country accent it's like god's grocery store <laughs> you're just going along there just picking up meat you know um you're and not you're, you're not like picking berries off the vine you are picking up meat and it is such a gift from god you know mm. which one and of you can talk while you're doing it, it. Unlike hunting, you can talk while you're doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's a a conversational sport because you're not going to scare the fish away. You know, they can't hear you. Right, that is good. Um, But favorite to eat, um, it's probably a close call between sheep's head and flounder for me. I've had flounder. I've never had sheep's head.
0: Oh, stuffed flounder, you do it right.
1: Yeah. Delicious.
2: Sheep's head is delightful. It's it's even lighter and flakier than flounder. Mm.
0: Yeah.
2: Do yeah. your
1: um do your
2: children go with you? Not yes. all nine on a sixteen foot boat. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I can take three kids max. And yes, um, this past season uh, I took them a, a fair amount. Um, and I try cool. to take them more and more, and it eats into my time with Kenneth. You know, but <laughs> those darn kids, which disappoints Kenneth, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they love it, and and they've gotten. Honestly, just as good as Kenneth. Well, I don't know. Whoa, sorry, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Whoa, sorry, Strong words. Yeah, those are strong yeah. words. I will say they are just as good as any other average um, gigging partner who I would bring. Maybe not as good as Kenneth, because I'm clearly above average. Uh, uh, obviously, yes, obviously, obviously right, yeah,
1: right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Kenneth. Do you have a um, a skiff also, or do y'all
3: do y'all share one? No competition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I get frustrated with Shay's kids because they're taking my time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I go with Shay. Right. And uh, yeah, but it's all right. I hold the key to that adventure. I know, I know the power of doing it as a kid, the the delight because I grew up doing it with my dad Mm. and yeah, it's, it's a, I'm happy
2: for them to, to partake as much as they can. That's good. And honestly, when you have nine kids, the, I, the best part about it is the next day i may spend three hours cleaning fish but i've got a freezer full of fish all the time mm, there you go you know yeah actually providing for his family yeah
0: <laughs> it's not just a sport it's right it's going down the god's grocery store right that's <laughs> right, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Right. Um, and this is, like you said, this is something you do at night. And there's, there's also a little bit like you, you're you out on the water at night and there's a little bit of like mystery and a little bit of, mm. you know, you're not at risk, but it's in the dark and you're out on yeah. the water. And so there's a little bit of that sense of adventure as you roll oh, out. big time. Mm-hmm. You know, big so time. so the, all of that is so deeply formational, you know, just mm-hmm. think about how much fun that, you know, for a kid. You have know, to go out in the dark with Dad, you know, with yes. a trident, and to see yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what animals that you might find and and bring home to eat. That's so good. We yeah. uh, you alluded to it earlier. Um, we do love to call this sort of a digital campfire, and uh, that's I love that that's something that drew you guys together is sitting around a campfire and uh, and just sharing life and talking and telling stories and that's one of the great places that stories have been told for longer than, uh, longer than we would, would probably even realize is, uh, ever since fire fires invented stories have probably been told and acted out mm. around the fire.
3: What, There's a story uh, about inventing fire somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All I can see is Tom Hanks on that Island. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, what you guys are sitting around a a fire what's your your favorite go-to story to tell around the fire
2: yeah good question um so i get asked all the time by all my kids to hey daddy tell me a story tell me a story so it's like i always have to have a story on the hip you know Um, one
0: locked and loaded ready
2: yes right and so I have like buckets that I can draw from, like, like categories or seasons of life. When I think about like a hunting story, a hiking story, a fishing story, uh, a flying story, I used to I used to do some flying, um, or just a childhood story. Um, but uh, there, there's I can think of one that is a little bit exciting and maybe embarrassing um, that my kids like, uh, and that is. A flying story. So when I was in my 20s, I, I this was bef- before I got married. I, I, you know, less responsibilities, some extra money. I learned how to fly. And then my dad and I got this tiny little seaplane, a um, little open-air cockpit. Two, it was a light sport category, two floats, um, tandem seating, one in front of the other, flying with a stick um and it was amphibious so it had landing gear that was retractable with this big lever kind of a thing um super fun i mean just a little boy's dream basically and we have some family land with a little 20 acre pond and we would fly it in and out of there we kept it there um and this one time uh so at this point i I was married i I flew until we had our third child and at that point for various reasons that you're about to hear about, uh, I quit flying. <laughs> oh boy. So uh, uh, my, my cousin who's my age cut my college roommate till he dropped out to join the Marine Corps his senior year, um, which I always make fun of him for. But uh, uh, his uh, name's I'm James. Fun James. A marine? That's a, not a great. Yeah, picture. no, I'm Andy. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: no. Um, but so he's my best friend, and we just grew up neck and neck together our whole lives. We we decided to go uh, take the plane about an hour inland to scout out this island in the middle of this lake called Lake Moultrie. Beautiful day. I mean, I, I thought it was a picture perfect day for flying, and we take off from our family's place and we start cruising inland, cruising kind of northwest and. And we follow the Cooper River um, from basically from Mount Pleasant. We follow it inland and it kind of meanders and it's just gorgeous. We're crossing over Mepkin Abbey, which is like this picturesque sort of um, place where monks live and, and uh, just wilderness as well. Um, And we follow the Cooper River all the way up to Lake Moultrie, which is one of these lakes that got flooded in the thirties that was created uh, kind of a new deal situation, I think. And, a lot of the plantations were flooded. Um, and, and so, therefore, this lake is, is big and shallow. If you know about the topography of, of lower South Carolina, there's not any hills. Um, so it's big and shallow. And we go up there, and I was going to land on the, on the side of this island. Um, and so I, I go in for the landing, and I notice as I'm getting close to the water, At at this point, as far as being a seaplane pilot, I'm not super experienced, okay? I've landed a bunch of times, really, really confident flying this airplane, but I haven't done a lot of exploring, landing on other bodies of water. So one of the things about learning how to fly a seaplane is you have to learn how to read the water. And there's these telltale signs about what the wind is doing according to what the water looks like. Things like uh, white caps, water streaking, um, all those things. Okay, so I'm looking at, at the water and the water looks calm. I don't see any hints of white anywhere. Um, but as I get down closer on final approach, I notice that there are these um, low rolling waves sort of far apart from one another. And that's something I couldn't see from the sky. It's something I've never encountered. And, and I get down and I'm looking at the rollers and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I'm going to have to time this right between two rollers. Anyway, so I get down, I flare out to, to touch down on the water, and I stuck the landing. It was fine. Landed between the two rollers. But suddenly I had this tiny little go-kart on wings floating on top of the lake, and these rollers are coming in. And I immediately said to James through the headset, hey, man, I don't like this one bit. Before it gets any, any more rough out here, we got to take off wait, we got to get out of here. We're, we're going to have to abort this mission. We're not going to explore this island. And um, let's go. Okay, so I turn into the wind and I go to, I give it full throttle, go to take off. And now I start going, start cruising on the water and it's starting to plane off. It gets up on a step, as they say, um, on the pontoons. And right at the point where it's about to lift off, uh, one of the rollers comes in and, and sort of hits the lip of the pontoons and drags me back down. And so I, I just keep it full throttle. Same thing happens again. A roller come and hits the front of the pontoon, sucks me back down to the water, sucks me back down to the water again and again and again. Now this plane usually lifts off lickety split. I'm talking quick. It just jumps out into the air. But this thing was not taking off. And I have some poor guy on a pontoon boat couple hundred yards ahead of me wondering why i'm going full speed for him i have a choice i can believe that i'm going to take off before i hit this guy in the pontoon or i can throttle back and if i throttle back i risk nosediving into one of these rollers and and going end over end and doing basically a front somersault and probably throwing james and i out of the plane but uh I just stuck with it, man. I just hammered down full throttle. Let me say I I got close enough to that guy where I saw how big his pupils got. Like it was close. And he's wondering what the heck is this guy doing? He probably had no idea that I was being sucked down to the top of water by these rollers. He thought I was just being crazy.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Anyway, so we survived that. We get up in the air and I'm just praising God that we are not dead. (laughs) And I look down at my left leg. My left leg is trembling uncontrollably. And I tell James, you know, I, I feel okay. Like my composure is fine. Uh, nothing else on me is visibly shaken. But something was making my left leg sh- just tremble violently. And, and apparently, this is what I've learned since then, because I've had it happen four times. My, my left leg will just start shaking in these moments of like uh, defeating or defying death. You know, I I guess it's just an adrenaline thing. Y'all may know what it is. I don't know. But uh, anyway, James was, and James, meanwhile, he doesn't realize in the back seat that all these things are going through my mind and that we're not supposed to be hitting the tops of the rollers. Like he has no idea. He's just having a good time. (laughs) It's all
0: good.
1: That's where the phrase
2: being shook come from.
1: Yeah, that's right. So anyway,
2: that's a, that's one of my kids' favorite plane stories. Yeah. Well, I'm
1: glad that you made it up, and I'm glad that the guy in the pontoon never approached you. Uh,
2: he, may have <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> catch us. He didn't have wings.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Yeah, he. Uh,
3: yeah, um, I would say uh, for me, mine is not as exhilarating or life-threatening. Um, but I mean, I could pull from a lot of buckets as well. Uh, I've, I've, I was in the navy. I've traveled the world by sea on a ship, seen wild orcas and hundreds of dolphins at once, and. All around Australia. There's a lot of there's a lot of outdoor moments. I, I grew up on a shrimp boat. My first job ever was working on a crab boat. Um, so a lot of water down here in the low country mm. is part of our stories. But um the, the story that comes to mind is the first time I ever went shark fishing with my uncle, who was known for um partaking in alcoholic beverages, you know, at all times. <laughs> um and i was about nine or ten and we went out into the port royal sound which is just kind of large sound down in beaufort paris island and hilton head and um some other areas that you guys probably wouldn't know but we're out there pretty far out there about a mile out um but we took a aluminum john boat it's about 10 feet long Mm -hmm. and we didn't have a motor we oared out
0: that doesn't sound uh-huh. like shark fishing material. I'm yeah, just, I sure know. You yeah.
3: Know. <laughs> um, I, you know, told the phrase, the we need a bigger boat, comes to
0: mind. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, like, but I, you know, I was nine or 10. Side story here Kenneth mentioned he grew up on a shrimp boat. The very first time he watched Jaws was living on a shrimp boat when he was like way too young to watch Jaws. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Yeah. yeah.
2: I watched that movie too young, especially yeah. given my context. Um, but
3: anyway, so we're out there, we're shark fishing um at nine or ten in a little aluminum john boat uh with no motor the only thing it's summer it's hot no shade the only thing my uncle brings to drink is beer in a cooler (laughs) nothing else just beer in a cooler and um you know we're shark fishing he's telling stories he's got all kinds of crazy stories um he he had a crazy was your uncle ernest hemingway (laughs) <laughs> Not nearly as poetic as okay. storytelling <laughs> a lot more uh, rougher around the edges probably. but anyway, um yeah, so he he snags the first shark. We're catching like maybe like four foot sharks, you know and I'm I'm holding it he gives he he snags it and he gives me the pole and I'm holding it, you know, just holding on for my life trying to reel this thing. He's teaching me how to reel it in and pull and all this stuff shark comes up next to us you know kind of gliding next to the boat um and I'm, I'm just like oh my gosh this is crazy and he's like now listen when i when i touch its tail it's gonna freak out you know it's just gonna, it's not gonna like it so you need to be aware you need to hold that thing so he he reaches in and touches the tail and sure enough the shark just panic goes into full-on panic attack and it's it's i'm holding on for my life trying not to get pulled out of the boat and i mean the boat itself who knows what it's doing you know, we're not anchored or anything. We're just floating in the middle of a sound in a tiny little <laughs> aluminum boat. We carried the boat to the, to the water. Oh, wow! That's how, that's how heavy the boat was. We, we both carried it easily, but, um, so we're out there and what, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get a, kind of like a noose around the tail. Uh, you put a noose around the tail and it drags a shark backwards against mm-hmm. the tide and it, it will drown it. Sorry. My neighbor's beeping his horn. Um, but it'll, it'll drown the shark. And, uh, yeah, so because uh, if
0: a shark's not going forward, right, it's, it it can't live. Is that? Is that yeah, and it's
3: it's pretty worn out at this point. You know, by the time you get it to the boat, you you fought it for a while, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, once you loop that noose around its tail, and it it, it drags backwards. You know, mm-hmm. my fear was that it was going was gonna become shark bait for a much larger shark. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's because it's this little four foot shark that's bleeding. You know. And we're he's carrying off to throat.
0: this boat with no motor that you carried to the water.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and you're how old? I'm nine years old, right? Ish, yeah. right yeah. around there. Yeah. Yeah. You're chumming the waters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, we go down to grab the grab the tail. The shark bends up around and latches onto his knees. <laughs> oh it, <laughs> Drawn blood, you know, or whatever. Now and, he's chumming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in full like disbelief. It'd have been funny if there had been a camera on me. I don't know what I was doing, but, but yeah, anyway, it, he was totally unfazed. I mean, he's just kind of one of those guys that were like, you know, born and came out and slipped into the ocean. Leathery you know? skin. He was yeah. a Navy diver. Yeah. yeah leathery right. skin, tugboat captain, just born and bred on the water. Basically he was totally unfazed by being bit by a shark on his knee and there was like blood on his knee. We ended up standing there for several more hours, catching more sharks, but yeah, that was pretty God. eventful for me as a kid
1: i feel like he's the kind of guy that would say i got bit by a shark again yeah, yeah oh yeah again. yeah oh yeah he
3: was telling me stories about big old sharks jumping in boat. He jumps in the water <laughs> back and forth i'm just scared
1: oh my goodness man but, uh, anyway those are was... two great stories thanks for sharing i love it yeah i love
3: it yeah. oh man oh we do we, we do have one more story that,
2: that that happened to both of us together okay oh yes go for it I
3: think we could share
2: yeah you might need to edit this one out this one yeah. this one may disqualify us actually <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's
3: pretty remarkable story interesting story um we but, don't we don't we still don't know
2: what to think of this oh, we're still this processing is the, these
1: are the best kinds we're this, up yeah
2: we're it so might excited. it's probably worth sharing because it's kind of it's interesting yeah yeah
3: so so Shay's up Shay, Shay has a Shay's family has a house up in lake lure north carolina and um, you, you kind of look out of the house, and there's a deck. It's in the mountains. In the mountains, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, and there's a dam, that's I don't know, maybe 200 yards, 300 yards, yeah, 300 plus, yards. yeah, um, right out there. And um, we what we were doing is I think it's this. No, for the story I've got our king. You want to pull up the page? Um, we were writing together. Our families both went up to the house. His family's asleep. My family's asleep. Late night smoking pipes um, out in the uh, out on the deck patio and he's looking out towards the dam at the water. I'm looking towards him. We're at a table. And what we're doing is we're coming up with the with we're writing the scene in in our latest book. Here I'm gonna pull it up here. We're writing the scene in our latest book where the angels appear to the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Okay so we're writing these these words mm-hmm. um, and we're we're just a lot of it is it's just kind of like reflecting on theology of angels, um, what's happening in, in Luke, what's, what's actually going on. And we're out there for hours, just our entire the entirety of our conversation is about angels. It's about the angels appearing to the shepherds. It's about spiritual beings. Um, it's, it's, I mean it's pretty it's a pretty edifying conversation. To just sit there and talk about God and the Bible for hours and try to figure out how to communicate this to our to children, to our children, and then for families to use in such a way that families can use. And I'm facing Shay. I don't know what time it is, but it's it's well past dark. Ten or eleven. Yeah. I'm facing Shay. And what I see out the left side as I'm facing Shay is like the forest, the woods. It's a bunch of pines and there's this orange glow that's like shining down from above the trees down in lighting up the, the the underbrush of the trees you know and it's kind of moving a little bit and i'm not even thinking about it we're just talking about stuff and i'm just noticing oh, maybe that's a street light somewhere that i don't know i can't see the light but i can see the. but it's moving through the forest and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And Shay's typing, you know, and I'm, I'm processing what I'm seeing. And I'm telling Shay like, Shay, what what is this? You know, like, come here, come, come, come take a look. And so Shay, Shay gets up. He knows that I'm seeing something that he ought to be looking at. And, and he comes around and stands next to me. We're standing right at the corner of the, of the bow of the patio area, the deck. and, from, from above the tree line, maybe about 50 feet above the trees, comes this fire, like a ball of fire. But it was like a, it wasn't well defined. It was like a campfire on on each side.
2: Yeah. If I'm honest, I'm only mildly comfortable talking about this. I know. You can edit this out if <laughs> you this want. This is so strange. Yeah. But carry on. Might as well tell yeah. us. Um, anyway, so
3: we see this fire and it's a pretty steady movement um right above the trees i mean low enough to light up the underbrush of of the forest there comes out over the water and shay and i are like kind of visually verbally processing what we're seeing and this fire ball it's i would i would estimate was about six seven eight feet in diameter you know and it it stops right over the damage stops and it's just and we're talking about you can see this right like I can see yeah it. We're, we're confirming that each of us can see it so
2: yeah a little bit of background like neither ne- Kenneth and I we don't drink we, we happen to not not drink alcohol just just saying we were smoking normal tobacco smoking tobacco that was it okay and Kenneth was an air traffic controller in the Navy on on ships in Persian Gulf I used to be a pilot. Like we know what things look like. Pretty decent
3: story. aviation background between us.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and we're standing there looking at this thing, scratching our heads, just kind of in wonder. Not, we don't know what to think. I, honestly, I still don't know what to think. But I think we're telling this story for a reason, maybe. Um, but this thing just comes across, like as Kenneth said, stopped sort of over the dam and just sat there still, motionless. And we watched it for, I don't know. It sat there for less than a minute. Less than a minute. And it just disappeared. Disappeared. It was the oddest thing we've ever experienced. And we have no conclusions on it. But, I mean, I, I given the context of our conversation,
3: we're talking about angels appearing to shepherds in the night sky. And um, uh, we've we, We obviously we're Christians. We have a supernatural worldview, so we're in nature, you know. But we have a supernatural worldview. We know there are spiritual beings. Um, That that we received it. We decided to receive it um, together. Just kind of like, hey, we we know it's not a. we, We went through everything. I mean, we were checking the winds aloft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: We were, we like, were literally what, checking what are the winds aloft doing right now. Yeah. could this be like a weather balloon? A weather balloon that's on fire sort of, or something? One of those fire balloons that people send up. Like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like that. It, it was much bigger and different.
3: Yeah, totally different. It was going against the winds aloft. It was, yeah. Um, at a pretty steady clip, and so we we just kind of received it as kind of like a peeling back, a appealing you know back in, you know in dimension. Hey, hey, here's here's what it looks like to see. a a fiery presence in the sky, you know, Um, we, we've never actually, this is the first time we've ever like publicly told that story. So, but it, it the the purpose of it was, is it ended up encouraging us in, in, in how we were communicating the scene. We, 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 we received it as a nod and a blessing from God, you know, um, to continue on with what we were doing. We were having the most like God exalting conversation you could possibly have, you know, in that, in that time for hours, um hmm. i actually took a picture i have some pictures um but it's kind of, of like the, taking of a picture the thing that you saw in yeah the wow. yeah it's kind of like when you take a picture of the moon with your phone yeah it's it doesn't really work laughably but
0: laughably inadequate <laughs> yeah
3: but i mean you can get a sense of the color and the shape and the size and where it is in the photo that i have but uh, probably clearly not meant for that we're not going to be writing you know like our five minutes in heaven story or, <laughs> or anything like that. A, but it was a pretty interesting outdoor experience for Shay and I yeah. writing that particular scene at that particular moment.
1: Oh, yeah. wow, man. You know, and there's, so you know, there's things that have happened to me in the outdoors that I don't know how to explain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't really know what to think of what just happened. I don't know what to think of, um, what I you know what I saw or heard, whatever it is. Um, what a fascinating, what a fascinating uh, encounter for both of you to have together. I mean, I love it. Right? I mean, yeah. We don't want to make any bold claims about it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, how we you receive know, it, it have how to, we process it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's probably the safest stance to have. It's like this thing happened. Don't really know what it was. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, you know, as you reflect, you know. these stories, you know, in the outdoors and you this story that you don't really know how to explain. You know, or it could be the you know, fishing stories or 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 gigging or flying, you know, all of these things. You know in what ways has God shaped you through the outdoors? Um Yeah. You know, not everything has to be, you know, I I gig this flounder and it was like me being, you know, it, you don't have to over spiritualize something, but I'm just saying <laughs> You know, how has God shaped you through the outdoors?
2: Yeah, so I'll start with that one. I, I think um, the nature of where I grew up kind of on a on a sound, on a marsh, on a creek, I had miles of view of marsh grass out in front of me before you get to the barrier islands. And um, it's just beautiful. It is downright mm. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, sunrises, the kind that you read about and that you only see in, you know, professional photography pictures, um, places where you don't live. You know, I, that was like, I would, I would see that and then have to eat cereal and go to school. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I think being there and, and getting out there in the marsh, um, I got a kayak when I was really young, spent a lot of time out there. I, I think, I think God, used that setting just to te- to, to draw me toward being a bit contemplative, mm. you know, um, being contemplative. So, so sort of developing this interior life, you know, of contemplation, appreciation, and gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. when you see the, both the vastness and the beauty of what he's given us, I, I think those are kind of the primary ways that I can think of that God has shaped me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure Shay would concur. Like and you just getting it there at the end, the, the grandeur of, of God's creation, um, you know, like I've been out at sea literally in total dark, like bright stars coming up, like over that horizon and that horizon and that horizon just all around the Southern cross, you know, like to know that you can, you can go so far that the sky changes you know, and it's it's just radically, there, there's a sense of like, for me, especially out at sea, it's just this is kind of chaotic um, aspect. I, I can't control this, you know, mm. um, but it is being controlled um, by someone, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, for all of us, we go through moments that we can't control you know, and knowing that there is someone and that someone is benevolent, you know, Mm. um, has the authority over these moments, you know, has the ability um, to encourage us, to build us up, to shape us, to form us, you know, the heavens are declaring His glory. Um, And I, I think I've seen, you know just out there in the pacific ocean the middle of the pacific ocean you know like it it has a transformative effect on you it's kind of like seeing the grand canyon or something mm-hmm. like that where it's like we have so much light pollution <laughs> mm-hmm. almost everywhere you go you know you have to get out you're far you know and then you have mountains or trees or things blocking some of that but being out in the ocean itself is a had a big formational especially after I became i became a christian in the navy while i was at sea and Um, it gave me a different perspective on, on those particular moments um, of midnight in the crow's nest of an aircraft carrier, just listening and seeing um, yeah. Has a, has a real transformative effect on you.
0: Yeah. I would imagine seeing all those stars and uh, the vastness of, you know, what's above it makes me think about something or, Probably our mutual friend James Whitmer, you know, said in one of our early our early podcast episodes of, of being in the outdoors, um, he said it is you know you're you're situated in it you're you're important but he says you're not the point
3: yeah yeah right
0: and I've always really yeah. really loved that quote from James um, mm. that it is such a every time you're outside you're in a, you're reminded that you know you're a part of the story. Um, yeah. the, the, the last
3: time I went hunting there was and this is really frustrating when you're hunting I was sitting in a deer stand and there was like a woodpecker over here <laughs> and a woodpecker over here and a woodpecker over here you know and they're having like this drum competition or something you know I'm trying to like listen for deer and <laughs> pay attention to my surroundings and you're constantly whenever you're hearing things all the time you're constantly you know squirrel in the rustle leaves or whatever but you know Knowing that, you know, the, the, the two sparrows in the forest and, and one falls, you know, not outside of the will of mm. God, you know, like when, when I step into these, like Shay was saying, like the, the, the bent toward being a little more contemplative, quiet. Mm. You know, I think the more and more we advance in the technological age, you know, the more valuable time outdoors is, you know, to be still. And to get out there and just sit in the cold woods for a little while and observe, you know, um, that God, these this little drum competition that these woodpeckers are having, you know, that's interrupting my hunting, is not outside the will of God. It's it's part of this beautiful orchestra that mm-hmm. that He has going on, whether we observe it or not. You know, it's it's pretty. That that shapes that, that that shapes when you're out there, and it's mm-hmm. something that, that helps me in my faith. Um, Absolutely. Just just sitting out there. That's
0: good. What um, we you shared lots of adventures, which uh, I got I got a little like anxiety when you were telling your plane story. If I'm really <laughs> even though you're, you're I'm to be looking for his there. left leg. Yeah, and yeah. anything we're doing. Any, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that's his tail. For are we about to die? <laughs> that's right. That's
2: right. <laughs> Have a cool, <laughs> calm face. Yeah, right. the left leg will be shaking. And that's the yeah. last time we yeah. saw James.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, uh, lots of adventures, man. What's uh, what's on the horizon for for you know? Perhaps it's an outdoor adventure, or perhaps it's a uh, uh, it's publishing. You know, it can be any kind of adventure. But what's your next adventure?
2: Um, good question. Uh, when I want to hear that question. I think about my kids. I have, my oldest is 14 years old girl. Youngest was just born. Um, so there's lots of opportunities for adventure there with, with each of those kids. No question. Me learning how to raise them. Hmm. Um, entering the teenage years with my two oldest girls now Re-entering newborn phase for the ninth time, you know, how I should be pretty good at this by now, but I feel like I'm not you know, this, this newborn stuff every time. But, but I, I do feel like God teaches you over and over again. And, you know, it feels like my oldest kids got the worst of us is the way Catherine and I talk about it. You know, we learned on them mm. and now suddenly we're older and wiser, maybe less energy. Um, <laughs> so we know how to conserve it perhaps now, but, um, so I think about them, um, and, in in a real, actually i do have an adventure coming up with the kids uh, my next adventure is a canoe trip um with my nine-year-old boy who's turning 10 in march i think nice. me and three of the boys uh six nine and eleven will be on a overnight canoe trip on the edisto river which is the longest black longest flowing blackwater river in south carolina wow it's absolutely gorgeous probably put the the 10 and 11-year-old boys in their own boats, they're pretty proficient paddlers. And me and the six-year-old will, will take a canoe and go with some other dads and sons. Take some Lambus bread. Take some Lambus bread. That <laughs> should, <it> should last <laughs> us. More
0: Lambus bread. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> awesome. I, I, I want to say on the publishing side, Shay and Catherine have recently written a a prayer that considers God's kingship over creation. And that's our next book that we're working on. We're having it illustrated by the wonderful Breezy Brookshire. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. And um, she, so we're hard at work on that. Um, Can't wait! And for I'm that, really man. excited to have that book available to to families, especially with small children. And coming from Shay and Catherine, um, as you can tell, like uh, an outdoors guy, a guy who's considered creation, a pastor, a you know seminary educated guy who's in the Bible all the time, discipling his kids. It's really rich and really good little board book we have coming. Looking forward and of course, to that. together we're working on the story of God, our savior, which is uh, the third in this story of God trilogy that we've got going. Wow. Um, so we're kind of in the throes in that Aiden's Aiden's cranked it up on his end. Um, we got the manuscript pretty much where we want it. Um, but it's a long process, hopefully come out in the fall of this year. So a lot of publishing adventures as well. Man, That's great. That is exciting
1: things happening for you guys. I, I love that. I love that you're working with Breezy. She, uh, we met her in um, 2019, and um, I have several of her uh, of her of, of her pieces of art uh, on my wall. And so she's just so talented, man. What a what oh, a great yeah. team yeah. that you guys will be.
3: Yeah, it's looking super amazing. I can't wait to show. Yeah. the world.
0: it's cool. <laughs> man i love it what a uh, what a great conversation uh, guys uh, what are ways our, our listeners can find you guys support uh wolfbane um, books
3: yeah we're on wolfbane books just look up at wolfbane books on facebook or instagram nice. or twitter we're most active on instagram um but we're 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 in all these spaces and of course you can go to our website wolfbanebooks.com that's where we have everything. We have a little Excellent. blog. Um, the blog right now is kind of focusing on the most important things we want to get out there. It's it's not super, we're not super active on it, um, but we have some important things there. And uh, what else? We have a YouTube page where we've done some videos, uh, just Wolfbane books on yeah. YouTube. And um, an upcoming
1: podcast?
3: Upcoming podcast. That's right. Nice. Yeah, we're working on that. Yeah, All hopefully... Right hopefully towards the end of this year we'll be we'll be publishing that late fall awesome
2: and that, and that will yeah. be walking through basically each spread of each story of god book okay um, that sounds we, exciting with some bible scholars who you have heard of probably
0: great yeah well that's yeah. super yeah, exciting now yeah make sure you you tag us in some of those posts so we can you know reshare any of that whenever Absolutely. that comes about and we'd love to promote 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 that stuff man yeah we great. appreciate it yeah thank you Super, what I have, I know we have enjoyed this conversation, guys, just to reconnect after a wonderful time, what feels like eons ago at Hutchmood and this last, uh, this last, uh, what was it, October, feels like forever ago, but it's so good to reconnect with the two of you and to hear, get to know you better, hear some great stories, and um, man, just what you guys are doing is so good, and uh, as, you know, for me, my job as a family pastor uh, at my church. and so to have resources to to give to parents and to point parents to uh, like this is is such a treasure for me to build a resource parents who, who really are the primary disciples of their kids. So to, mm-hmm. to have things to empower them to carry that torch uh, in their homes is that is beautiful and well written is such a treasure. So I'm thankful for the work that you guys do and we hope, uh, we hope those that are listening take advantage of that. Go, uh, go find them. Uh, we'll have all that information uh, about their socials and their website on the show notes. And then uh, we'll have you know probably some links on our website where you can go find more information about uh, Wolf Bane Books and these guys and continue to follow their story. Uh, we hope this conversation encourages people. We hope it uh, challenges people perhaps to write their own stories, to share their own adventures and what we love to call... the storied outdoors
2: awesome thank you all so much yeah man this has been fantastic for us as well yeah keep up the good work guys
0: if you've enjoyed this podcast please take some time to leave us a review or better yet share it with a friend we hope these stories encourage you encourage you to write your own stories and share your own adventures in the storied outdoors